there will be no real non-controlled currency in the world. Exciting time to be involved in Bitcoin Cash at the moment. During that whole war, fighting versus big blocks, like were, were we the bad guys? Were we the ones that went listening? Fundamentally, we believe in markets, transparency, and tokenization. Come on, you gotta come stronger than that, you know, like. Hello, and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast, following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. This is episode number 97, Big Block of Indication and BSV Innovation, featuring Joshua Hensley. Today is Saturday, the 4th of November, 2023. I'm your host, Jeremy. Jet is doing the producing. And before we get into the show today, I just want to make a quick note about linguistics so obviously from my point of view bch is the real bitcoin but we're here for all bitcoiners and you know some would say bsv is the real bitcoin some deluded idiots would say that btc is the real bitcoin so for the purposes of this episode i'm gonna be uh pretty specific uh if i try to say bch bsv or btc where possible and uh, I'll be bringing, you know, Bitcoin. If I say Bitcoin, well, I really mean either the pre-split uh, coin or just the concept of the whole of Bitcoin. And I also want to introduce this term that I've heard uh, Joshua bring up on his channel called the Craywitz. Is Craywitz? Craywitz? How do you even say that? Craywitz Index, um, which is comes uh, from Daniel Craywitz, uh, early Bitcoiner and, uh, you know, now a BSV uh, supporter who suggested that people should hold all of the forks. So you could say the Craywitz index would be the combined market value of all Bitcoins. And in a scenario where you got a flippening or something, it would actually be quite interesting that maybe the, the Craywitz index would be stable even while the value of the forks was was changing. So uh, kind of an interesting uh, concept there. And I, I want to really help propagate that idea into the industry because I think that that would be actually really good for people to think about. Okay, our guest today, though, is a BSV YouTuber, but a general Bitcoin advocate, I'd say. He does some writing for CoinGeek and is one of my personal favorite crypto channels to follow. So highly recommended. Joshua, welcome to the show. How'd you get into Bitcoin? Yeah, thanks for bringing me on. Um, I got into it at the end of 2017, I think like a lot of people, when I saw the run up to about 8K at the time. And um, that night I went and read the white paper. And at that time I was on a project as a software consultant, actually doing credit card integration. And when I read the paper, I was just like, yeah, this fixes all this stuff, all these problems. Um, so I became obsessed with it from then. And, um, you know, that journey, you know, first started with BTC, but then, you know, I saw, okay, it's got problems. So naturally went into altcoins, ETH, Litecoin, uh, Dash, a bunch of other stuff. BC, then I went into BCH because that was all there was at that time. Um, and when the BSV B, BCH split happened, I decided to go with BSV because they were increasing the block size. Um, but yeah, I mean that was kind of my that was kind of the high level version of the journey. And ever since, towards the end of 2019, I quit my job and have been just messing around with this stuff for four years now, full time. 
yeah, I'm very, I'm very jealous. I'm trying to get this show to a point where I can go full time as well too, because I would, I spend all my time doing Bitcoin stuff that I'm not working anyway. But uh, you know, I would love to be able to do it seven days a a week. uh, But I'm not quite at that point yet. You know, when you when you say that, one of the most interesting things I think that comes out of it is I ask every guest on this show, right? How do you get into Bitcoin? That's always the first opening question, and one of the things that is uh, sort of emblematic of the earliest adopters. Uh, usually is that they'll say firstly that they read the white paper and then they became obsessed with it, right? That's a very common theme is somebody who had the kind of uh, technical background or perhaps the just sort of the concept or maybe the ideological leaning that Mm. the white paper just was enough and they were kind of running from there, right? As you go later on in time, you get less and less people who say, they say, oh, I saw a podcast or I heard about it on the radio or my friend introduced me or something like that. So it's actually super interesting that, you know, even coming in at, at 2017, which is still early, you know, obviously in the grand scale of global adoption, but even by today's crypto standards, like 2017 is is respectable, right? <laughs> uh, so, you know, you, you had that, you had that technical background and was that the main contributing factor or with the credit card stuff, I guess that also played into it too, right? Did you have an ideological biased you know sort of libertarian kind of vibe before that yeah so before that i had gone down the rabbit hole with gold and the fed um money printing economics that sort of stuff so yeah it was kind of a natural transition cool and at what point did you decide to start your channel you've been running that for like quite a long time now i'd say at least a couple of years right so I actually started it while I was still working. Um, it was early 2019. And the first one I did was kind of a coding tutorial. I started to learn JavaScript back then. And yeah. um, I just did one with uh, Unwriter stuff. Um, he's he's no longer around in the Bitcoin space, but his stuff, a lot of his uh, protocols and designs that he built are still used today. Um, so yeah. that's kind of what got me started into the dev side. Yeah, it's a fascinating little world that you have when it comes to uh, Bitcoin, especially after all the forks and, and stuff like that, because all the, the information by by default, obviously, it's not centralized. There's no one place where you can go to get it necessarily. The technical information or the community information and everything just kind of emerges in this big organic mess, <laughs> for better or worse. You know, I've been reading the uh, block size war at the moment i don't know if you've read that but like some of that i kind of agree with some of it i disagree with and it's just fascinating how history emerges like a lot of things get forgotten along the way and unless somebody brings it up and and makes a big point out of it and so that's obviously what i'm trying to do with my channel i think also what you're trying to do with your channel to some degree right because then people can look back at this was the sort of story at the time because as as we both know you know the narrative gets changed over and over and over again so does that play into how you make videos as well too is that something that's really on your mind yeah for sure because um you know one feedback i've gotten in the last or really this year is um my opinions have changed and evolved on a lot of things um just be with the information that's coming out and then you know also accepting reality right which is tough for a lot of folks um well i'm witnessing this right now which i think we'll get into inside the BSV community, there's a big split happening. Um, and I think it's going to continue to get even bigger. And, you know, the same thing happened with BCH, right? Uh, back when there was only BCH. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, I think using 
the actual ledger is would help us with this stuff because you know um and you know we're going to get into the hotel locker stuff but you know it's it's crazy that we're having these discussions on these web two platforms right like twitter reddit because you can you're susceptible to the Sybil attack which is basically one of the many things that bitcoin solves so um we need to actually use the stuff that we're preaching and then we'll not be um susceptible to kind of these attacks from the outside yeah i think especially as we're seeing now like humanity has always been subject to propaganda like that is that is without a doubt i <laughs> i thought it was funny i was talking to someone recently right and they said uh something like oh you know um nowadays you have so much disinformation in the in the media and, and whatever and i said no but you've always had that and they said no 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 but like recently you know the the news uh was sort of like propaganda and there's so much fake news and like that's that's really become become a thing you know 10 years ago it wasn't like that and I, no it, it was always like that right yeah. you just perhaps <laughs> didn't realize it right in your journey at some point you realized it was all a scam but it was always a, it was always a scam and that's kind of like humanity has been battling with this problem for so long so it's like amazing in a certain way that maybe we're going to be around for the moment where humanity finds a better way of communicating information at a at a global scale right i mean I'm, among the th thousands of things that bitcoin touches and is involved with that's that's really truly gonna gonna change the game you know so i'm super excited for that all right so let's talk about the market then uh obviously price is not necessarily the main thing but one thing you preach on your channel and i do as well too is that price matters and anybody who says it doesn't like that's just straight cope it does matter it matters for all kinds of things it matters for signaling to the market it indicates the amount of liquidity it obviously indicates like network effect and for better or worse like tons and tons of people that's what they focus on you know whatever's in the top 10 they think is legit which is complete nonsense but their level of um assessing the market is kind of at that level of sophistication so every every time on the show we always check the price and it's actually always fascinating to, when you go back and watch the older episodes to be like wow that was that was the price price at the time so right now our bitcoin cash is 237 dollars and 46 cents usd one btc buys 146.5 bch so down a little on the ratio one eth is 7.75 bch so only down a tiny little bit and of course one bsv is 48 dollars and nine cents usd the ratio is one bch to four point nine bsv so all that said it's been kind of a good year for the uh the old bitcoin forks how are you seeing the market at the moment Are you optimistic are we going into a bull run next year um i'm probably the most optimistic about bitcoin uh which is you know if you asked me this maybe five three four months ago i would have said no I, I would not have felt that way um yeah i just think that you know i think i honestly think the driver is and i hate to say it is the whole blackrock etf thing um because you know, they're actually, you know, again, I'm not I'm not some BlackRock cheerleader, but they are have clearly done research and they understand the risks of forks. And I think that they don't want to be caught with their pants down in the case of a fork. So, um, and then, you know, it's a big risk for them. So, you know, they warned about it. Who knows what they're going to actually do about it? But I think the market is clearly priced that in. And that's why you've seen the ratios go down for both BCH 
I'm uh, BSV against BTC this year. Yeah, and you've been talking about on your channel this sort of theory, I guess is probably the best way to put it, but it's maybe more like a, a speculation. I don't know that, you know, you're really saying that this is the way it is, but it's sort of a possibility, which I hadn't really considered at all. And I'm still, yeah. you know, in two minds about it, that because it was true that uh, BlackRock did put in their ETF filing, uh, if if there's a fork, we will decide for ourselves what is Bitcoin, which was a fascinating uh, wording. And it really set off a lot of the BTC people because they suddenly had to contend with this idea that maybe we aren't as you know the one and only uh, Bitcoin as we think because BlackRock, who they were celebrating as well, oh, it's great. Look, all this huge amount of money is going to flow in. They're going to buy up all the coins and make us all rich, and we're going to you know live in our citadels, right? They were loving that until there was just like a, a little sting in the tail, right? Where it was kind of like. But wait a second, what if BlackRock does that and then somehow there's a, a creates a split and then they dump all our coins or something? You know? right. So it was uh, fascinating to watch, right? <laughs> yeah, and then they also went out of their way to say uh, they, there's no guarantee that they'll pick the one that has the highest price too. Um, but also it goes back to what you mentioned, which is the whole unsplit coins, right? If you don't get greedy, which I know I did, um, and I think a lot of people did, and dump your forks, then you don't have to care, right? You don't have to care about the outcome. But that, you know, I know it from person, uh, from personal experience. The temptation to get more of the one you want for the other one, forsaking the other, is so high that you know. I think that's been done a lot. Um, I, I, I would love to know how many unsplit bitcoins there are out there. That would I think be. We did. Yeah, we did do some. There is uh, there was a guy in the BCH community who did some analysis of that at a certain point to look at like what was the uh, thing. Maybe if I find it later, I'll, I'll send it to you. But basically, what he looked at was he found because uh, he was trying to look at actually how many had been sort of lost as well too. Right. And so at the moment, like if there's about 19 million uh, BTC, I think the the numbers is it's something like four or five million maybe are sort of just lost from the early there's like a million of satoshis and then there's like three million sort of other ones that are either in very very deep storage right or they're just completely gone and then it was something like there was maybe about another million lost in the in the switch over to bdc uh you know bch and then maybe even a little bit more for bsv as well there too and it was something like yeah like 57 or 55 percent or something of coins have been active on on bch and then there was a bunch that were uh the like pre-split ones it was like yeah 30 percent are sort of burned and there was another like 10 or 15 percent that he was sort of like speculating were were maybe still active somewhere so yeah i'm sure there's got to be a few people that are still sitting there just waiting waiting for the BlackRock announcement to cash in on their next <laughs> next yeah. walks, right? And I mean, it's yeah, it's funny, like just uh, what you're saying because I also obviously I when the fork came, I was like BCH is the obvious answer. No, nobody's going to be fooled by this stupid BTC, and I sold them all and I got the BCH. And in one way, I'm happy about that because I'm like, well, I stuck to my guns, uh, even though it didn't really work out. But on the other hand, yeah, if it happened again, I would probably not be as hasty to assume I was on the right side there, I think. All right.
Cool. All right. So let's get into it then. So 2023 has been the year of Ordinal's vindication. So it was in January, actually, uh, that the Ordinal's thing has kicked off. We've followed it all along this show as as of you you did an excellent video called Audi is the Black Swan that people can look up because highly recommended. There's some really good analysis there. But what that did was it just turned the whole crypto thing upside down because until that point you had the BDC people happily settling into there we're just going to be digital gold etc and it would have been a very long time even with the chain full before there was such overwhelming demand that they had to kind of confront their choices right and at the same time you had the rest of the crypto being you know a bit more speculative and degenerative and then those two things kind of got fused together unexpectedly in the ordinals, which was ironically the result of their own failed development that they right. uh, they did it by accident, which is just, you know, unbelievably hilarious. But this changed everything for crypto and especially for like the big block forks. It kind of brought a lot of momentum. And well, maybe maybe these guys had something to say, especially BSV, because the whole data on chain idea was one of the things that the BCH crowd to this day are still, I'd say, not that interested in it. And that was one of the difference. And then that became a huge narrative on BTC afterwards and kind of vindicated a lot of those those points. So walk me through how you've been seeing this year from that point of view. Yeah, it's, it's made me reevaluate because my whole assumption, which is the basis of my position, was that, okay, well, BTC is has handicapped itself, one megabyte blocks, uh, no, no ability to really do data, I think 40 bytes. Um, no script. Um, so, you know, if it's just digital gold, which I call digital lead, then, you know, it's way overvalued. But once you add, you know, the ability to do the data on chain and the NFTs, well, the entire crypto market, because obviously they've under op- op- operated under that assumption too, right? Because that is the justification for the existence of things like BCH, Ethereum, Ripple, et cetera, right? Um, but if that assumption is no longer valid, then we have to reevaluate everything. So um, a lot of folks in my community um, started participating in the BTC ordinals. You know, um, you know, it's a risk play, right? It's risky for everybody. But um, I would say that we were in a pretty good spot. I mean, in fact, three develop the best three developer groups arguably actually led the order ordinals innovation on BTC. Some of them have stopped. Some of them are still there. So the Unisat guys, BSV guys, Ordinals Wallet, BSV guys. It was the later folks that came in, and now they're kind of they, that are out competing them just based off you know they had bigger followings, bigger platforms. So um, in that regard, it's like yeah, it's putting BTC in a between a rock and a hard place because you know they've been pitching digital gold, but yet the market clearly wants this stuff because it's been happening on ETH and Solana and everywhere else. So and, you know, if people are using it and it's digital goal, obviously that's the best combo. But the question is, are they actually going to remove the script? Are they actually going to increase the block size? And if they decide to, will the market even tolerate that? Because you have other scalable blockchains, SHA-256, that exist, which is a problem for them. So it, the, the next six months with this BlackRock ETF, the halving, and the ordinals, I mean, we're in a bull rush again. Um, Ordi's up like 30% or something over the last few days. Uh, bitmaps, floors increased. Um, lots of there's 
volumes picking up again. So um, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, it's truly like, I mean, crypto is never boring. That's the, that's the one thing you can always say about it. Uh, that's one of the great things about being a content creator in this space. I can't even imagine being some other thing. You'd be trying to manufacture some drama or something. Never have any problems with that. There's yeah. always some, something to talk about. Uh, but yeah, because when we covered uh, the first original Ordinal stuff on this show, right, right when it came out, I did. I made a big point about the fact that it was those BSV devs that had come in and suddenly started building, and it was just a like a game changing thing on so many fronts. Because firstly, it was the first example of this kind of cross chain, not collaboration exactly, but um, you know, movement. Because like the ETH, the ETH couldn't have piled in there. Why? Because their devs weren't used to the utxo model and they didn't already have the same understanding of the the libraries and the way you know the right. bitcoin operates or even just a sort of a bitcoin mentality in a certain way so they piled in there and at that time you had also obviously with the taproot wizards led by udi and eric right making a lot of noise and we're changing bitcoin and etc now that's kind of petered out a little bit because they were having a strong you know they were having a bit of a gold rush initially but you get a lot of cloud and then the old laser eyes who are busy you know destroying the party they've been there a long time and they're not going anywhere fast right so there was this kind of moment where it was possible that udi and eric could have teamed up with some of these bsv guys and said like if we're going to do a fork like let's let's fucking do it let's like do a hostile takeover that was kind of their moment but i feel like they they sort of missed it right yeah now a lot of the momentum has kind of drained away and even if it did come back, they they're kind of out of the out of the picture. Like the the BDC people have just sort of accepted, okay, we've got some of this stuff, but whatever, right? How do you how do you see that? Do you think there would be any chance there could be or will be a fork? I mean, one thing. So the last two developments in the BTC camp that happened just before this resurgence with ordinals were the Lightning Network admitted to be a failure, and then all these memes going around. So the guy writing that, you know, security vulnerability or whatever. But it's like, dude, you should have figured that shit out like six years ago. Um, yes, <laughs> that it doesn't. That's broken. It's never going to work. Um, and then the other was this Bit VM thing which got a lot of folks excited about doing computation, BTC. Um, but I haven't watched this conversation, but there's a guy who's basically made it so you can do high-level coding with script, Bitcoin script on BSV called S-Script. And he did a show with the guy, one of the guys working on BitVM. And the BitVM guy was actually inspired by S-Script, which is a BSV project. And they, you know, had back and forth or whatever. And, you know, they're mostly on the same page. They still obviously have uh, different opinions on forks, right? But, you know, in terms of computation and using script to just do stuff, they're both united. So that's got them saying, okay, we need to re-enable opcode so we can actually do this stuff more efficiently. Um, but, you know, so you have these things happening, right? You have ordinals in a bull market again. You have the BTC price rising. You have all this BlackRock speculation. You have Lightning Network failing, finally, that's getting more in the public view. And then you have guys wanting to, re you know, out there really wanting to re-enable the opcode. So um, it's kind of like in May where the Ordinals hit its peak, but the fees just got so out of control um, that it kind of, you know, that was kind of the top, right? Already hit like 30 bucks. 
Um, that was before Bitmap, but um, you know, you were seeing some trade for hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Some of the early inscriptions. Now the same thing's happening. I checked the fee rates, it's like seven fifty to seventy sats per byte on BTC, which is, you know, I wouldn't be paying that, right? Um, but so, you know, I think if it continues, they're gonna have a conversation, right? You know, are we gonna do it? I I used to think they were gonna do it. Um, now, after I saw that they refused to do it back in May, I'm thinking they won't. Um, and I don't know who has the balls to actually pull off a fork at this point, uh, because I don't think the people that are over there are as headstrong as they were back in the spring. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, if, if you have the Lightning Network, you, you know, we we knew it was it, it was never going to work. But if they're saying it, it's completely different. So if you have that combined with wanting to actually re-enable opcodes, you know, maybe something will happen. Maybe that pressure will just build up. Yeah, I don't know. I I struggle because I'm sort of on the same wavelength as you. I thought like back then when they had the momentum, when it was fresh, like that was the time to do it. I still don't think they could have won because there's still just so many of these laser eye guys that are just they're just dug in they've got the fortifications they've got their little castle up there on the hill they've protected it off and they're just never going fucking anywhere so i think it's a bit of a it's a bit of a fool's errand really because even if you did try and do a fork are you going to get the ticket no way there's so much precedent that btc is the you know this narrative right the btc is like in a straight line and then forks yeah. come off it like the exchanges are not going to be like oh hey Eric or like, hey, you know, Unisat or hey, this BitVM guys, whoever does, they're going to be the fork. That That's just going to be the narrative. There's no way around that, right? So then you're now you don't have the brand. Now you're getting dumped on by all the one megabytes guys. Then you're losing some hash rate. Then the market's like, this is another fork. But nobody's, there's so much effort that goes into a fork. That's one of the things I find incredible is people say like, they try and dismiss BCH or they try and dismiss even BSV or, or XCC. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like there's so much that goes into with wallets and nodes and you need a community and you need podcasts and you need forums. And it's like, this stuff doesn't just happen by accident. So if it's a long running fork, there's something real going on there. And people really undervalue what it takes to get something like that off the ground, much less sustain it, especially when you're getting dumped right. on the whole time, right? Yeah, and then one thing I just thought of, yeah, I agree 100% with that. But the other part is, are they even going to execute the fork in a way that the market actually wants? So um, in my opinion, the way BCH fork from BTC and BSV fork was not correct, um, looking back, right? There was things that should have been done differently. So BCH, um, you know, which I understand, right? I wasn't mining back then. I didn't even kind of, I wasn't even involved. But by adding the difficulty adjustment and the replay protection, they basically said, we're going to be, we're giving up. You're the big brother. We're the little brother. That's how it is. Um, they still stayed at shot to 56, which is obviously a requirement. But if if they didn't do that, right? Because Remember, BCH almost flipped BTC a few months later, right? It went to 4K. Um, Coinbase, it went to 8K, right? It almost flipped it. Um, who knows, right? If, if you actually pull that off, um, the thing is, if you, if you do it properly, if you actually have the will and the capital, that's the thing, though. Do they have the capital? You can basically erase the other fork. I think this is what Craig talked about, Craig Wright talked about, but of course he didn't do it. 
back when the BSV BCH split happened. But that is one way to pull it off, basically to not change it, right? To not, you basically go at par and you basically cause chaos, right? You go in with, you know, and you don't give up. If BCH didn't add the difficulty adjustment and which basically made sure that miners would switch and just mine. And then once the arbitrage goes down, they go back to the bigger one um, and didn't add the replay protection, which also causes lots of problems, right? Because uh, if you spend your unsplit coins, they both go to wherever on both chains. Um, it, by adding that, like I said, it makes you say, okay, we, we, we wave the white flag. BSV did the same thing. Um, they did not add replay protection, but um, they basically, you know, they just threw it out. Okay, you know, y'all got it, right? I mean, they'll never say that. The people won't say that, but that's what they did. I remember it because I was there, right? Um, so, yeah, basically, that was a long way of making the point is when, if they do BT, what I've been calling BTC NFT or BTC org. Yes. Who, are they going to actually stay shot to 56? Are they going to change the difficulty adjustment algorithm? What else are they going to mess with? And, you know, this is, this is a slight tangent and I've actually written about this, but I'm, I'm big into old school video games, right? And there are lots of bugs in the original, some of these original games like Final Fantasy, like the first one, there's so many bugs. But if, you know, there's ROM hacks, maybe people that watching are familiar or on Twitch, they should be familiar. Like people go and hack old games. You can go back and fix the bugs. But the problem is those devs are so, uh, what's the word? They're so arrogant. They don't just fix the bugs. They add their own shit to it. That's what's probably going to happen with a four. They're probably going to add some weird thing. They're going to re-enable an opcode, but change it from the way Satoshi did it. And so what I'm trying to say is, based off your point, that it's difficult. You need infrastructure. You need exchange support. Added with the fact, are, are the devs actually going to do it in a way that they're trying to kill the other side? The chances of that are very low when you consider those two factors. So we might be, we might basically, that might be basically a mission that BTC is dead in the water if the innovation on the other force happened. I have, a, I have a question if we can go back just a little bit. Yeah. So uh, what, okay. In the, in the, in the context of uh, replay protection, you have a bunch of these like greedy people uh, and I'm using your terminology because I, I, I just want to play along a little bit here. You have a bunch of these greedy people who are saying, I want to be able to sell these coins and I want to be able to keep these ones. How do you, as a you know software provider, respond to that? Do you say, no, I hold this ideology and I think that's a stupid decision and we're going to battle this out and it doesn't matter what the end user wants? Or was it like... Because I don't really care one way or the other, to be honest. I do think that Bitcoin uh, is kind of this fractal, and at some point these splits will reconcile to see, be the, the same thing again. Uh, those those will be the chain deaths, right? But yeah, how do you how do you deal with the fact that you have people demanding replay protection when that might not be the best long term strategy? Right. Yep, and BCH and the devs at the time of BTC and the BSV devs underwent the same debate. And they took two different paths. So the BCH devs just did it back when they split from BCA, BTC in August 2017. BSV, they considered it, but they didn't do it. So even today, it's still not there. Um, so they, so BSV devs are just basically saying it's up to, it's up to the holders. Y'all go split your coins yourself, which I'm sure a lot of people screwed up, right? 
But it's at the same time, if we're going to be, if we want money that's separate from the state and we want to take control of it, I think we can figure out how to split our coins if we're actually going to dump them, right? So I, I like that approach better versus forcing it because, you know, like I said, then it, it's, you know, you're basically doing the work for everybody, right? Uh, which is a good, you know, helps them from a technical perspective, but then, you know, that has the economic implications, like I mentioned. Then, so this is where I think it's so fascinating because like we were talking about with, yeah, probably history has taught everyone that maybe it's best not to place your bets too early in this kind of situation. And that's why I can't see anybody getting control of BTC to make it, even if they're at a point where they all admit Lightning Network was a failure, we were completely wrong, etc. There's tons of little... Um, you know, offshoots in there, which are all trying to trying to put in their favorite thing. They have APO, they have the guys with CTV, they have the drive chain ones, you know, and it's a coordination problem. The the best part about Bitcoin is that it makes the people in the network by default aligned because they're coordinated and somebody attacking it is uncoordinated, right? But BTC is now in the opposite position where they all agree that there's, well, not all of them agree. That's part of the problem. But some of them kind of agree that there's something going wrong. But then they even amongst themselves, they have four or five different solutions and they all don't like each other's solutions, right? right? So how are any of them, like even if somebody did a BTC NFT uh, split off, and even if they were willing to take the huge issues that would come along with that, they probably just, they just like, they would be uncoordinated. Who would go yeah. and join them from their other camps? Right. Not many people would put their serious money on the line to get involved, build apps, go all out on it, would they, right? Right. And then another thing I just considered is basically by BlackRock talking about the risk of this, uh, that basic, I think that puts another cold water on someone wanting to do it because that would give the, the small blockers the incentive to stomp it out because they're like, oh, well, no, we need BlackRock, right? They're going to rug us because they already said that they're going to rug us if if they might rug us if there is a fork. So we can't let a fork happen at all costs. So by them binding themselves to the fiat system, to the ETF, um, if a bigger block version uh, works, they're, they're, we're, we're basically saying they're not going to fork, so they're screwed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's something that they really heavily underrate right and in recent sort of conversations and things that i've been having you know on twitter and etc with some some of these people like they always have this idea that if big blocks start like gaining traction or something like this like oh we'll notice and we'll take uh, responsive measures or we'll join up or but it's not it's not like that they don't understand that this is not a future problem that they can see coming and then adapt to. It's like, no, firstly, it already happened, a lot of it. And secondly, like once inertia is a powerful thing, right? The inertia on the BTC chain and the inertia on BCH and BSV and on every crypto, same with ETH, they're getting into the same problems. Is Once the ship is sailing in a certain direction, it takes a titanic amount of time and energy and et cetera to shift it around. And especially in crypto, Anybody, one person trying to do that is nearly impossible. Nobody's really in control. It's just kind of organic. It's just going in its own direction. So if they're like this stuff, nobody saw this coming, you know, just one day it came up and then the next day crypto was 
was different, right? So do you take any, or do you see a lot of that? Do you see a lot of that same stuff? Like, oh, we'll we'll see you guys coming. No, then I don't see us coming. We're already coming now. So no, because they already written them off. That's why the prices are the way they are. So um, no, um, you know there is a bit more synergy with BSV and BTC now. I think you don't get you know you you don't get tar and feathered anymore by talking about it because you know the communities have kind of merged. That doesn't mean they're you know kumbaya, but they're they're like this kind of they're like you know, um, but that's not gonna um, that's not gonna actually matter, right? Uh, I think it's as you said, you know you still have all these mini factions that don't agree. So there's no way there's, because again, it's the same thing, right? Even if they want to up, I mean, we're basically putting out, making the case why BTC will not fork. Yes. Yes. Because they're going to have to, if they respond, they have to fork. Right. (laughs) Have to increase the block size or chain or re-enable an opcode. Both of which were not issues in Satoshi's original client. Which is yeah. crazy, right? I mean, and that's the thing that everyone says is Bitcoin, but it's nothing close to it. I mean, Segwit was not, you know, that's completely custom and new, right? That's right, and and I think one of the fun- <laughs> that's another point that everybody underrates is they think, oh, well, BDC it can just raise the block size, you know, BCH or BSV. They raise the block size, and then they were shitcoin as like that. That's their extent of their analysis. They don't understand, firstly, that there was. It's, it's about everything. It's about the mentality. It's about thinking through the economics and et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot to that. And then secondly, it didn't it didn't all stop. It wasn't just like BCH and BSV went off their own directions. And in the BDC people's mind, it's like that like dead end, you know, it just stopped. But it's like there's been another five or six years. So this is perfect. So this is where we're getting onto now like Hotlocker, right? And I have been super impressed. Hotlocker is the first thing besides maybe your channel that has come out of BSV that I'm like, this is, this is good. You know, this is, this is, this is a step in the right direction. I didn't agree with a lot of the other stuff, but I kept an eye on it because I know I'm not going to dismiss something. You know, I know there's a lot of genuine people and a lot of people who have a lot of good ideas in there. You never know the free market turns up stuff you don't expect. Right. And this, this really, really impressed me. So for people who don't know, uh, Hotlocker is, it's pretty recent. How, how old is it? What? Two months? less yeah. maybe a little something like that and it's so it's essentially like a it's sort of like a twitter style social media where you can post up and it spreads around to everybody and you can comment but you can lock your bsv onto your post all right guess onto somebody else's post as well too right you can signal boost someone else uh and then the algorithm sorts or you can set it to sort by who is locking the most coins now this is really important because it's free in quotation marks to lock coins if i'm going to hold my coins for the next two years then if i lock them for six months on a post it doesn't matter but on the other hand there is still a real opportunity cost that i'm paying there because i can't lock onto every uh different post at once and i guess there's also some minimal risk especially when it started that the coins would be lost or the script would be wrong or, or something like that right so you are paying a, a, a real cost to signal without having to actually spend any money. And this means that a small community can actively coordinate onto what is the most useful information by backing up their posts uh, with the with the coins. And you filtered out anybody 
that would doesn't own any coins and doesn't you know it's like proof of stake i'm going to say even though it's not proof of stake but it's it's skin in the game that's what it is and that's just that that is a huge breakthrough and i really hope that the bch community can copy and, and do something like this because i think this is a game changer so walk me through hot locker from your perspective yeah so the idea what's crazy about it is all that stuff you just described was built by people not full-time who have full-time jobs in their uh, spacious time and they weren't they had no vc funding no investment no one paid them to do it right so this is all happening with those circumstances right um so basically jack lou had basically memed this into existence on his using his twitter account um at first it started with the idea of just a public leaderboard of who can lock the most coins up for a long amount of time but then it's when uh the developer i mentioned when he just built a basic version of it he left where you can put a comment on it. And then that from there, it morphed into like a social media style on chain. So everything's on chain, the script, the data of the post, all that. Um, it, it, it morphed into this feed. And at first, you just had people, when they wrote the post, they would lock into the post themselves, right? So people would lock, you know, 21 coins for like five years or a, a coin for a day, something like this. Um, but... That evolved into, okay, hold on, we can do it on other people's posts. And that, I think, was the real way that people started to see the value of it because it does finally solve these civil issues on Web2 with likes, Twitter likes, Facebook likes, uh, Reddit upvotes, which have been a huge contributor to why we have these ports in the first place, right? Because of the gaslighting, the social engineering, um, you know, so... It's huge. Like basically it indexes information against Satoshi's, which, yeah, I mean, from a from a indexing perspective, from other people, you know, going through the chain, because one valid criticism I think of BSV is, oh, well, it's not decentralized if you're mining four gigabyte blocks. Well, if you have you're only indexing the stuff against Satoshi's, the blocks can be as big as they want, but the no, the people actually indexing this stuff only have to deal with a subset. And it's economically feasible because they're, someone has basically put money against it to say, this is important, or at least I think this is important, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's from that perspective, from apps, um, the innovation is just starting. I mean, we're seeing more apps built by more devs just out of nowhere. Um, I expect to continue. We just hit the all-time high of 6,300 coins locked up total. Uh, that's not counting by other apps, by the way. So um, we need to get that number. But yeah, I, I'm, this is why I'm very bullish. So you have this happening at the same time as the aforementioned contention in the BTC, which, you know, if we're coordinated, but they're not, what's going to happen, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And I think there's just, there's so much, you also made a video recently about now that now that, that has been created. And again, I agree with you, it's quite important that it did just kind of come organically i'm going to say from the community it's not being run with some vc funds or whatever because people i think have a very bad idea of what vc investment is like people who especially who haven't worked in tech companies you know as a dev they've not seen the cycle where you get acquired and etc etc like the thing is there's no there's no free lunch right people start up these companies and the founder looks like some genius entrepreneur or whatever because they come along and somebody gave them a bunch of cash 
but really they're just burning somebody else's cash hoping to sort of get get things going right and if they do well then all the better but they're always still beholden to those overlords right those guys bought a slice and the slices never get smaller like once they've they've got a slice they've, they've got it forever until they're yeah. gonna cash out at the end of the road like the, the guys who are investing are prepared to burn all their money base because they're so rich that they don't even care so they never sell out their slice they always just get more and more until the founder and if they get a big uh acquisition well maybe they exit and they're they're good but the skill of the entrepreneur is sort of decreased like the the barrier to entry is so much lowered for people getting in on vc funding rather than people who are bootstrapping like there's a huge difference between a company that has bootstrapped its way to you know a million dollars a year in revenue versus one that was vc funded because you could have that right out of the gate because you could be losing five million to make one million back right so seeing that kind of innovation starting with Locker and with surrounding apps and services to me is just that's like that's the gold right there that's the that's the bitcoin that's that's what you need to be paying attention to right yeah i definitely agree because um in our space arguably uh a lot of the companies that have gotten investment have not have maybe subtracted value because you know they're building in a web two way in a way that's not built for bitcoiners while at the same time parroting this nonsense about price doesn't matter uh we only need to hold a little bit of the coin i mean just this i mean it's almost worse than small block propaganda because at least they're hodling right um these guys are saying, oh, no, it's only for use, it's plumbing, it's only for micropayments. I mean, it's just garbage, right? If 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 it's for everything, then it's for everything, not just, you know, whatever this VC-funded company says it's for. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the things we're going to see more... Uh more development of this idea because one of the things that's been talked about a lot in bch uh and i think will maybe come to the forefront again it's funny how every fork is sort of in its own way converging on these same ideas because bdc with drive chains is by paul stortz who what was his big thing was prediction markets right and why did bch do its upgrade cash tokens well it's because jason dreisner wanted to do prediction markets and in another sense hotlocker is kind of you know, edging towards the same thing, right? They're go- there's going to be a point at which it's going to be like, is this uh, news report, is this image uh, a fake or not? And nobody's really going to be able to tell, at least not in the short term, but then people will be able to predict and, and lock their coins onto this one or this one. And then whichever one gets decided in the end, maybe gets the coins from the other side, you know, it just turns into a prediction market again. So every different fork is finding its way to these technologies that everybody knows about but nobody knows and everybody knows they would be valuable too but nobody knows exactly how we're going to get there and it's kind of yeah just different forks are competing with with different strategies to get there in a in a strange way right right yeah because you know we want to use we want to actually use it we don't want to just um look at it we want to look at it too, but we also want to take some and use it, right? Mm-hmm. Just like money, you know, fiat. We save some, we put it in a savings account, we put it in an investment, we also spend it. We want to do all of it. I mean, it's basic economics, but, you know, it's clown world. So BTC has been rewarded <laughs> for rejecting economics, unfortunately. But 
One thing I will say, though, is they definitely have the meme, the digital gold meme. I mean, I don't agree with it, but they definitely have it. Um, and, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, and this is not to say that something like BTC, you know, I think it could hit and break through its previous all-time high up to this ETF stuff, but in the next halving. But, you know, I, this is me. I don't know how fast things are going to change elsewhere either. And that is the that is the one that can... You know, just like the the 2008, you know, before that, the 19, what was it, 89 or whatever, Great Depression, these sort of things. It's not like it, clearly no one predicted those things and they happened. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you got to, you know, that's where part of me, so like just, you know, for, for your knowledge, like I have some BCH, I also have a tiny little bit of Monero that basically I want to sell at some point, but I just happen to have some, right? And you know, part of me is kind of like, well, on principle, I'm not really that interested in BTC or maybe BSV, but maybe, maybe I should have some because once things when things change, you never know. You just wake up one day and it's already it's already over. You know, the Wolf of Wall Street. By the time you read it in the New York Times, it's already too late. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's that it's that exact exact kind of vibe. So I've got a good slide here because we have started this new segment, Question of the Week. Like this one comes from at TX Ariv Sariv, who said, What is the number one missing feature BCH needs to cross the chasm to mass adoption? And why is it stable coins based on tokenized any hedge contracts? And I thought this would be a good one to address this week because I think it ties in perfectly with Hodlocker. So there's this idea that BCH could have a, essentially a kind of decentralized stablecoin. I don't know if you know about any hedge, but it's basically a way of um, sort of similar to HODLock, honestly, of locking coins in a contract where you and I are doing a smart and a long, but we're both locking on chain and then it settles out according to the price movements. So the market can, you know, it's essentially an unruggable way of us doing it as long as your price feed is good then the right person is always going to get paid out the right amount, right? Uh, and the you know the funding is there as well too. You can't get rugged by, oh, shit, we lost the coins because they're all there on chain in the contract. So this is super exciting, and I think it's a great innovation, and the team there, they're doing great work. But I'm not sure that even if we use that and then somehow turned it into a, a stable coin, you know, you had shares in those contracts and that was effectively a stable coin. Even if you had that, even if you have just a BCA app like Celine Wallet, you can instantly send any amount of money to anyone for cheap and it's all stable. So the volatility problem is solved. I don't think that's enough. I don't think that's going to get us over yeah. To mainstream adoption it has to be a slightly better usd wallet even if there is no registration even if that would be useful in africa or south america it's not enough i think you need apps like hodlocker that is something that you cannot do any in any way without crypto without without yep. bitcoin what's your take on that yeah i agree um this debate has been raging in our communities you know this idea of stable coins dependencies on the legacy financial system um copying other chains but no i mean the whole everyone i mean we talked about at the beginning everyone came you you, you mentioned a common theme of what brought folks here is they read the white paper they became obsessed those people we know they were not told to read the white paper by somebody else. Why? Because there's all these people like me who heard about Bitcoin in 2013 and just either ignored it 
or, you know, didn't understand it enough to care. Uh, so many people. And what do they all say today? Oh, I wish I listened to my buddy back in 2012 or whatever. Right. So which means I can I think I'm, I'm correct on this. I would say 95 or to 99 percent of people in Bitcoin, whatever fork, reach there on their own without listening to somebody else. Right. So that means that the people that did that have the coin. Those are the people that actually want to push it forward because they want to use it, right? They want to see the purchasing power go up. This idea of merging it with the old system, Satoshi was, I think, was very explicit without being explicit. This thing is meant to destroy the fiat system. It's in the Genesis block, right? So he's hinted at it. He didn't say it because I'm pretty sure that he probably just didn't want to say it because he doesn't want this. I mean, you know, with the WikiLeaks quote. Radical right? enough already. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, he wanted to basically, you know, the, the Ted Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt quote, speak softly, carry a big stick. Right. So. The people that are going to push it forward are the folks actually holding the coin, not the people at the banking institutions. In fact, they have an incentive to kill it, which is what they've tried to do. Right. By any businesses applying with uh, for bank accounts, which is kind of oxymoronic when you really think about it. Right. Like If you're a Bitcoin business, why do you need a bank account? Seriously. Seriously. I'm, I'm like, people might think that's absurd, but no, it's not, right? Um, and think about how you could operate, for how free you would be if you do it, because I believe the system is private. So um, if we're trying to mesh that in, we're, we're opening ourselves up to one risk because they can rug us. That's the definition of the system, right? That's why Satoshi put that thing, because they rugged everybody. So we're, we're opening ourselves to get rugged but while at the same time putting capital and effort into things that are not in the best interest of the people actually holding the coin. Therefore, we need to build for the people that are already here. That doesn't matter if there's one, doesn't matter if there's 20, doesn't matter if there's 100,000. Build for those people. Do not build for anyone that's not holding the coin. That's, that's the first rule. Um, because, right, if you are, and I posted this on Hotelocker like a week ago, if you couldn't get to a computer for some reason, but you were interested in Bitcoin in 2009. Who are you building for? Satoshi. Are you going to go build for somebody else? No. Satoshi's got all the coins. Then Hal's got coins. Then Bear's got coins, right? You're building for those guys. You're building for the guys on the Bitcoin talk forums. You're not going and asking Reddit, what do you guys, what? No. That's that's basically what they're saying. Oh, we need stable coins. We need, you know, uh, no, we don't need any of that stuff. Bitcoin hit, what, a thousand before Tether was even a thing. So yeah, no, we build for the people yeah. that are holding the coin with with crypto with the Satoshi. And building is way easier too. If you open it up to price feeds, um, where you need to even it's just a simple thing of coding in a case for fiat fluctuations, increases the code complexity at least double. Whereas if you're just doing sats, so much easier. So much easier. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah, I agree. I think that the Instead of trying to, yeah, sort of catch up in a way to the US dollar or any fiat currency, because that's the same problem that people always have with adoption. It's chicken and the egg. Is there merchant services in my area? Oh, wait, the credit cards are better, faster, at bigger scale with mass adoption. Boom, like you're just fighting up hill against a mountain there. Instead, what's getting people into crypto has always just been whether it was the Silk Road or it's NFTs or it was even just the right. digital gold, you know, 
They, people like that Bitcoin is volatile. Okay, they don't like it when it goes down, but they really like it when it goes up, right? And that got a lot of people involved. So trying to sort of shy away from that, and this is none of this is to you know down talk any of this any hedge stuff because that will be very useful. It has been very useful. There's a lot you know going on there. In fact, you can even use it to stabilize cryptos against each other or against real commodities. Right? There's loads of, of good stuff there. But the killer app I see. We'll know it obviously once it's happened. There's going to be one that is going to be like Hotlocker or like Friend.tech or like uh, Crypto Kitties, right? They've seen all these iterations and they're getting sort of bigger and more advanced and also more distinct from the fiat system. Yes. At some point, somebody will make one of those that will hit, you know, 1 million users like real fucking fast. And then whoever has done that on whatever chain that can sustain that kind of throughput without going, then that'll it, boom, that'll be the global adoption moment. And that's what historians will look back at and say that that's when it happened, right? Yeah, 100% agree, because that is a system that you can't stop, right? Because if you if you did somehow build something like that, that is dependent, then, you know, they have an incentive to kill it, right? And we've already seen examples of this. I mean, I think CryptoKitties is the most famous one that almost that had it, that basically had the way to do it. But because ETH doesn't scale, I never will. Um, it just, it, that just, you know, it ran into a brick wall that I couldn't overcome. Yeah, and they're, they're still kind of at that. Yeah, so they those guys went and built another blockchain, right? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you brought that up, right? Now, you instead of just using ETH, you basically have to redo your whole thing on a new chain. That, I'm L2. That's never, I mean, Flow's never going to overcome ETH. Right. The network effects too strong. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it's sad, but it is what it is. So I'm not I don't know if I'm just being a little cynical or if I'm being devil's advocate or what, but I'm not completely sold on the idea that there needs to be a crypto specific thing to really get mainstream adoption. I would I am more under the impression that we'll get a lot of adoption when the mainstream system shit hits the fan. Like, I I don't think you're going to convince the average person uh, to do things because of a new app. Like, I think a lot of people now are fatigued by apps. They're like, I don't want to install any new thing. I don't want to, like, add this extra complexity in my life. Uh, so maybe, like, can you convince me? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just want to understand more of where you guys are coming from, I think. Yeah, I I actually agree with you. Um, I don't. I think it's that's a waste of time to try to convince people to use some new app for the a lot of the reasons you just mentioned. And then you know, getting them the coin, they're just like, oh, I don't want this. I think the um, we we hinted on how much coins are out there, right, and how much are lost. Um, I wonder how much are just sitting in cold storage. I think that's what we need to do. We need to maximize usage of those coins. There's a lot of Bitcoiners out there that probably haven't spent in years. We need to get those people on board because they actually have the coin. So I think we maximize that and then it pulls in the rest, if that makes sense. I've got to say for my part, the reason I think the collapsing system kind of narrative, yes, that's going to drive huge adoption. And we have seen examples of that. There was the classic uh, bank crisis in Cyprus that in 2013, or was it? Yeah, in 2014 with the whole Neo and B like situation afterwards, like there was that. And then there was uh, obviously more recently with the COVID lockdowns, right? You've seen the 
Canadian truckers kind of thing, but they they kind of didn't really get. They were they were under the gun there, but they were just like, well, let's go to BDC, and then it kind of didn't work, and then it kind of died out, and then the world kind of moved on. So the problem with the collapsing fiat part of it is that we can't do anything about it. that's just a waiting game so in the meantime we got to keep ourselves busy so we can't just sit around and say when the it's like the rapture you know once once the once the fiat banks blow up well we'll be there we do need to be ready for that but also like we're, we're ready we're here guys like the the space is available on chain where are you in the meantime we got to crack on with something else so that's why i like a more proactive approach yeah and one thing i want to mention about the trucker protest is uh so I think they were duped. I think that the majority of those people that ended up using cryptocurrency um, were people like I, there were people there that didn't have an interest in what the truckers were protesting about. They were interested in getting them on to BTC and on to Lightning and that kind of thing. Uh, but in in that like chaos, they didn't realize you know not your keys, not your coins, and. A lot of even those custodial wallets ended up getting seized. So I'm a little uh, irritated with myself because I think there should have been, you know, more Bitcoin Cash people, more people that were interested in peer-to-peer cash. I don't care if it's Dash or Monero or whatever. More peer-to-peer cash people there going, listen, this is an option, but here's the potential pitfalls of it. Here's the alternatives that you can use. Just, you know, use the best one. So I think... uh, we, we aren't ready. Like in the case of shit hitting the fan, we don't have enough uh, marketing. We don't have enough, I guess, hype. I don't know if hype's really the best word here, but it's like social uh, push. Well, that's what we're doing here, mate. We're just yeah. growing the podcast. Joshua's out there spreading the good word. You know, we're, we're, doing, we're doing what we can. But the thing is, you, you can only... Uh, you know, I've been loving this quote recently, you know, it's, I think it's from the Bible, actually, it's just like, there's none so blind as those who will not see, right? You cannot explain to somebody who whose mind is, is shut to it. And you can't create as well the circumstances for them to change their mind. It doesn't matter how I've been telling my freaking family since 2013, Bitcoin is going to be the global reserve currency. They didn't listen to me for like, as it went from 200 to like $50,000, didn't make a single bit of impact. Jeremy might be onto something here. No, what did it take? I had to start the podcast and then I had to do a fucking hundred episodes. And then now they're like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe there's something real here. And even then they're like, okay, I listened to one episode one time. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't that. Yeah. People get it when they get it. That's 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 all there is to it, really. All right. Speaking of that, speaking of that, tell me about BSV, right? So right now we had the Kristen Ager Hansen came out with all these revelations. We covered that on a couple of episodes uh, back of the of the show. We've got this famous COPA trial coming up in January. I know you have actually been a, a kind of a critic of the BSV narratives about that too, where and maybe you can enlighten me too, because I don't know all the details. But as far as I'm aware, basically the CSW lawsuits have been going on this this way and that way for many years. And sort of the rest of the industry finally was like, okay, we got to just put a stop to this. We got to just like come at you like full force and just like knock you out, like end this, because it's just the cost is just building up and getting way too annoying. So the latest story from this that I have seen is that 
a judge has just allowed an additional 50 documents, which COPA is saying were forged. And of course, CSW is saying, no, it didn't. Uh, and for people who are interested in this, I've got a link on the slide here to this Wiz Security. Some guy has done a huge Twitter thread analyzing all of that. So you've got kind of that going on. And then at the same time as that, I'm not in the deep in the weeds, but you would know that there's this BSV schism going on and different camps of, of people as they kind of pick one side or the other of the narrative. So from the outside, because I don't monitor it closely, I'm not sure what to make of all this, but enlighten us. What, what is going on in BSV at the moment? Yeah, so basically you have the folks that have been more or less in control of the ecosystem in terms of investment, uh, you know, driving for, for these patents, uh, the node software, in-chain, CoinGeek, even, you know, the guys who I contract right for. Um, basically, they're specifically in-chain is imploding, right? Because this Kristen guy who was a very controversial person, um, you know, did a lot of stuff. I'm not going to get into details, but he ended up getting fired along with Craig Wright. Craig Wright got fired too, um, according to Kristen Ager Hansen. So that happened. And then he started leaking stuff. Which, you know, th here's the problem is we have to be able to, especially in this crypto craziness, we have to be able to separate what someone's doing and the information that they're putting forward from the actual person, right? We have to, we have to, be, we have to separate those things. That's just true in life in general. Um, just because somebody is bad or has done some bad things in the past doesn't mean what they're saying today is untrue. A lot of the stuff he leaked was factual and shed a light for a lot of us, including myself, even though I know a lot of people have been operating in the dark. That information that he leaked has changed a lot of my opinions on about a lot of things. Um, so from that, you basically have the schism. I mean, the schism was already forming, right? But now you've even driven a bigger wedge in between basically the purists, I'll say, like myself and a lot of others. Formerly, I wasn't one of those because I was more aligned with these guys um, that, you know, Use Satoshi's, screw the fiat system, uh, hyper Bitcoinization, uh, hot locker, use use to do everything on chain uh, versus the other side, which is pitching the enterprise, government, CBDCs, all this nonsense, patents, right? Um, but it shed a light. You know, people can interpret that information however they want. I have purposely not publicized how I feel a lot about that information because, as we know, a lot of these characters are litigious to the point where I've actually been threatened based off stuff that I said. Um, so I'm not going to comment overall on the COPA case. But I'll just say that that information, in my opinion, was extremely valuable, extremely enlightening, even though I'm not a fan of Ager Hansen. And I'm not, frankly, I'm glad he's not the CEO anymore. Um, but that schism is caused to where, okay, all these narratives are collapsing, whereas the other time you have the lockers united. So again, we're kind of like taking over the space. The, the craziest thing about this is when that info got leaked, the BSV price went up. BCH went up as well. But my thing is like, okay, if the narrative that they're saying is really true, the price should be collapsing. Because if I was objective looking at that information, I would think, I'm not saying I think this, I'm just saying I, this is what I would think. Like, you know, if I'm, a, I'm an objective unknown person, allegedly it looks like um, this COPA trial is about to be a slam dunk for actual COPA. That's what it looks like, right? If I were to just interpret that information as face value, assume it's true, that it's not made up, right? Allegedly, right? Allegedly. So 
if the whole narrative was based off Craig being able to sign and be Satoshi and enterprise and get all these patents and all this stuff, why that narrative looks like it's not valid. And why is the price going up? That doesn't make any sense. To me, that says it's a part of the BlackRock thing because, again, it kind of moved with BCH. But it's also that, okay, kind of the pure people actually invested in the system and want to see it used based off Satoshi, the guy posting on the Bitcoin talk forums, what he made this thing for, it shows that we're kind of taking back the narrative. So that's kind of what's happening because there's a lot of people in this BSV community who think Hallocker is still retarded, still stupid. They think it's dumb. It's never going to go anywhere. That's right. which is mind-blowing, right? <laughs> well, it is It is to me, but, uh, you know, obviously from my point of view, a lot of things in BSV and in the world in general are, are pretty mind-blowing. Now, so i got to ask you then, I don't know whether this is, you know, I don't want to take a strong stance on this, but what people would say is that the reason the BSV price went up specifically was that Calvin's a billionaire and he was like, oh, no, we're going to just shovel money into this to sort of uh, soften the blow. Now, of course, this is the exact same thing that people say about Roger Veer and BCH, right? So very familiar with these, these kind of arguments. But do you think there's any sort of truth or... Um, potential that that might be what's happening no no because your 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 key is bch right if that was the case calvin wouldn't pump bch right yes so that's that's why that's why i've thought a lot about this right and the thing i keep going back to is bch is that if this thing i mean now bsv has moved decoupled right like the the run up when it went up to like almost 60 it actually led everything when the etf ticker was teased or whatever um but I'm talking about right when the drama happened, both yeah. of them went up. So I, that that tells me that it's not because a lot of people also on Hotlock are saying, yeah, I just bought like a thousand coins. So and people were saying on Twitter that they bought they actually bought thinking that Calvin was going to pressure Craig to sign. Um, but again, you guys should go look at the information, interpret it how you want and come to your own conclusions. Right. Um, so I, I don't think that part really makes much sense. But uh yeah, it's just it's just it's fascinating, I think. Yeah, I've got a lot of faith in that that same thing as you do that BCH and BSV and also XCC have been moving kind of on uncorrelated to the yep. market. Now that's that's important because even if most of crypto is driven by speculation and these random narratives. Oh no, we've got a fire alarm going up in my building. They had three last night. Somebody keeps betting their toes. Uh hopefully they stop. <laughs> anyway, um the 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 forks are happening, right? And then people are getting to a point where they can say it could be Bitcoin fork season. That could just be a bullshit narrative, and everybody can jump on board with that and throw in all their money, regardless yeah. of anything else, right? And I can just see the average person in crypto being like convinced by something that stupid. So is that what's driving this even? You mean like what? You, this this big Well, like, for- yeah, just like all the forks rising at once. Maybe just people are kind of like, well, BTC is failing. We see lightning's failing. We've seen yeah, there's yeah. all these problems. That maybe the big blockers were right and they don't know which yeah. fork is which and they just... No, know. I think I think that's definitely it. I think people are leveraging that along with the ETF filing from BlackRock to just hedge. They're saying, okay, these guys are obviously acknowledging this risk. I should too. I mean, I think that's been why you've seen the ratios between the three get smaller over this year in 2023. 
Um, and decoupled is important because I don't, you know, if everything moves together, I don't, I don't care. I don't get excited. Uh, but the fact that I see them moving independently is really what is interesting because that's kind of the goal, right? Now, are you worried about this kind of schism that is forming? Because we talked before about the BDC, they're having their different camps. BCH has obviously historically had its own camps with the BSV split off, XCC split off. Now you're having the same thing happening in BSV. Is that all going to come out in the in the wash or is it going to lead to another fork or is it going to uh, shrink the network effect as people leave off to other coins? Is there any problem with any of this? I actually think locking makes sure that none of those things are a problem um, because if we're able to push it forward and kind of take control of the narrative, then we didn't need the people that were against it anyway. Right. Okay. I mean, it's, I don't because, know. I don't know how I feel about that. Because the guy who built Hallocker, which is, I mean, by far, it's not even close, is the most used app in BSV right now. Now, there are VC-funded companies in BSV that do not have as many users as Hotlocker does. This guy built it part-time. What's going to happen? I agree. Yeah. Now, what's going to Now, and another guy's built a search engine, anonymous dev. Another guy built a Telegram bot that posts anytime there's a 10,000 stats lock. Like, I don't know who these people are. They just launch this stuff. This is with a price at 50 bucks with all these little hardcore cultist-type small group people. We're talking 150 people. What happened? And none of the people of the incumbents, like they are, they are actually throwing their nose up at this saying this is dumb. So none of the people that actually got funding are working on this thing. But as this thing gets bigger, I mean, we're already having this success without any of that. What if some of them even convert, right? Even if they do commit capital. I know, um, for example, some folks, a group that hadn't, they just added the ability to index a lot. They just added that. Uh, one of the other companies that's uh, Haste, their dev has been working on a wallet. They're probably going to integrate it. So, so this stuff is just is compounding. So um, we're doing it kind of as this rogue movement. But if we actually get some of them on board, but uh, Rafael Laverde, he's the for the crypto vigilante. He he said that he basically talked to these Duro guys and got them converted. They're like, oh, we're done with this. We're going to work on locking. Yeah, I, I understand that if if you can get momentum moving in the right direction, then that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I do I do appreciate that because that's a similar sort of flipping vibes to what, you know, BCH and BSV are trying to do in general, right? So I I, I like that sentiment. I just, I'm very uh, fascinated that you d don't see any uh, likely, you know, pushback or any, because these other people, some of them, if they're not convinced, they could still cause chaos, you know, it turns into like friendly fire, right? But you're seemingly not worried about that at all, no. which is just interesting of its own kind of accord. I, I think it's because of the locking itself, right? Um, one of the biggest, there's two big validations of this product because um, I'm sure there are lots of Bitcoin OGs, I'll call, um, in BCH, as well as there's a bunch of them in BSV. A lot of them have said, I wish this product existed in 2012. Uh, Jack Lou has been saying if locking existed in like, because it was technically possible in 2009, if it existed in 2009, we would have already had hybrid Bitcoinization. I agree with him because this is, this is something I'm pretty sure of. The people that came in, the small blockers, 
we can deduct that they did not have as many coins as the people that were on Bitcoin talk forums, right? Because they were there first, right? Like I'm talking about Garzik, Andreessen, Mike Hearn, Roger Ver, Kravitz, Satoshi. Um, there's no way they should have been able to, would have been able to convince them if, the, if locking was a thing, right? If they had a, like a locking social media instead of Bitcoin talk, where you lock coins against ideas, there's no way they would have been able to hijack. They did it on like Reddit and Twitter. Right through civil attacks, right? Um, it, it, I think it future proofs us against the same type of things that have gotten us into these weird things that have just wasted time, right? The enterprise thing is a dead end. The government thing is a dead end. People talk about the reassigning coin stuff for BSV, which you know I'm definitely against that now. Um, I've gone back and forth about that. Um, that to me, the risk of that happening is almost zero now because there's no way these people that actually have the coins are going to tolerate that. If someone comes in with that, they'll be like, get out of here. We're not doing that. It's not happening. Because they could come in and just make a bunch of accounts, right, and get a bunch of Twitter likes and engagements. It's like, oh, well, this is what the thought leader said. But over here, it's like, no, man, you actually need Bitcoins. Right. But what's to stop a company from just purchasing or already having a bunch of BSV? To, like you, you had mentioned, like, we have the opportunity to push a certain narrative, but so do people that have a bunch of fiat. And until right. there is no fiat system... There's still that potential, I think, to control narratives. Uh, only this time, it's with a like class-based system rather than a reputation one. Yeah, um, the argument I think that we would say, which is yet to be proven out because it's so small, um, is that those people would, yeah, they would have to lock their coins or uh, acquire them, which would increase the value of them. Um, so it's kind of like. A damned if you do, damned if you don't. I think actually Satoshi alluded to this in the yeah, he basically he he gave the same analogy about mining. Is that I think he yeah, he told Gavin, right? That the C or was it Gavin? Somebody told said something like the CIA, if they want to hijack this thing, they 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 should just mine because they'll make more money. I think it's the same. The economics work out the same way here. Oh, I think he was actually wrong about that though. Like BTC exists and is the main Bitcoin and uh it's a piece of shit. <laughs> I, he was specifically talking about mining, though, like taking over um, the network through like actual proof of work. Right. Okay. All right. All right. So, real Bitcoin fool says in the chat, first time chatter, welcome. Uh, should BCH be added to Hotel Locker? A better hive mind than BCH having its own separate Hotel Locker? question mark thoughts on this is hodlocker gonna go multi-coin i think it may even already have been discussed a bit meaning like like actually what if what if what if yeah what if hodlocker says okay we're either launching a separate site or a separate subsection the bch subsection where you have to lock bch instead of bsv thoughts on that is that a good bad thing good bad idea likely um so what they've actually added these sub lockers, like subreddits for different coins. I don't know if BCH is one of them, but I know BTC and um, like Monero, I think Monero and ETH are on there. Um, but obviously, it's all just native with BSV. Um, I mean, to do it with BCH, that's, that needs a protocol change, right? So, um, I mean, I would think you guys were on would preserve a network effect if you made your own instead of. Because, I mean, there would be its own thing anyway, right? Well, that's what, that's can... kind of what I think. I yeah. think that the BCH community needs something like this. Yeah. But I also think 
because what you were talking about before, if there was Hotlocker in 2012, there would, would have been necessarily been no takeover. I don't know that that's true. It's true that the information is harder to corrupt, but at the end of the day, the attack point was still like the GitHub repo. So is Hotlocker open source? Do you know? I don't know, actually. The actual platform is not, but the locking script obviously is yeah. public. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Could, so. So you, but you could still like you could still control if you obviously, and this is why it's good to have an anonymous dev, etc. Is if you could find the hotlocker dev and or take over that somehow or DDoS it, the site shuts down or something like that, then you can control the narrative. You could just put in some backdoors in the code, you know, downrank these certain posts, even if they have enough coins. Which is why I guess you would say that it's important that a lot of the information is on chain and somebody else can build another front end. And I think right. for that same reason, sort of similar that I hope BCH gets something like this, but I don't know that I want it to be with Hodlocker. I don't think that benefits Hodlocker. Yeah. And I don't think it benefits BCH because we need our own homegrown solution, which will have slightly different takes on the protocol. Maybe the community has different ideas about how they want the interface to be, or, you know, right. we'll just organically develop separately. So I hope we do have this. And if Hodlocker added BCH, I would definitely try it out if they were willing to build a custom uh, adapter, you know, implementation to take account of the differences. But I, I don't see it as being super likely or a high priority for either side of the community there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, remains to be seen, but I guess, uh, I guess the answer is no. <laughs> From both of us. Then. Uh, Okay, so that's the that's the current state of the drama in uh, BSV, and obviously, do, you know, people who are interested more in a lot of that can can follow your channel, and they'll hear uh, a lot of a lot of what's going on there. You're going to cover it in more detail, better than I am, anyway. So I, I recommend that to anybody who's interested in following that uh, developing story. Outside of that, we've got the rest of the crypto circus. So I've got a slide here called Whale Tank, and we've got a quick little clip that Jet is going to play for us. Uh, a couple episodes ago, we talked on this show about having a BCH Whale Tank where the community was crowdfunding or VC funding or flip starting to uh, create organic projects, exactly like we've said is key to success. And what do you know, uh, seems like the rest of crypto has had the same idea but this scammy, lame, glitzy version designed to entrap noobs, basically. So Jet, let's, let's roll this clip. I'm Wendy O and I'm the number one female crypto influencer in the world. Why are you the best whale? Because I'm a bitch. I talk to people. I think you're out of touch. That's your opinion. Can I finish? No, I'm a woman. I do care about people, but I will call you out on your shit. Let me finish, please. You interrupted me first. You know what, I'm a judge though. I'm looking for projects that after they've made it are going to be contributing back to society. Can I see that product? Sure. I'm gonna be able to tell you right away if this is good or not. Yes, I know I can be a little bit rough around the edges, but listen, it is because I care, it's because I want you to succeed. I like your style. I'm gonna swim. You got this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have here this lady, Crypto Wendy O, who I'm sort of peripherally aware of. She was sort of involved with 
BitBoy crypto and all those. But there's just this huge sea of like people who are just, they're in a different reality, you know, compared to, I think, what you and I cover about and talk about and follow in the crypto story. And ironically, theirs is actually much bigger than ours, even though ours is the actual real stuff, right? It's quite ironic. But uh, anyway, I she so she's involved and whoever other judges they had sitting around, I didn't really recognize any of them. I don't know who the hell they are, well, but... They, they had that scammer Rand Newer up there. So they're already... Oh, there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, what, what are they actually going to be do it's going to be like shark tank are we going to see a hot locker come out of this of course not no the grift is the show right the right. show and her making a some uh yeah. sort of quips and stuff like that and it's going to get a few views yeah. and they'll sell it to some like boomer tv channel and they'll all make money and stuff like that but it's not actually gonna really advance crypto right no no you could you said it right sell it to some boomer tv channel <laughs> it's just fascinating because there, there is a lot of potential in this idea the idea of a crypto type of shark tank yeah. and i think communities will develop that i haven't had the time to get around and do it all for bch but that's one of the things i would like to do and again similar it's just the same thing like Hotelocker could maybe get to a point where they said okay if you want to pitch an idea to the community people could upvote it somehow with locking their coins and then maybe there was a certain mechanism that okay we're going to invest this amount of money in your idea if enough of people lock it or the lockers know that potentially 10 percent of their funds is going to go to the person who made the post if it gets past its own threshold or whatever there's a whole bunch of ways that communities are going to need to be able to coordinate on uh growing and incubating innovative new ideas but those ideas are going to come from what you said, the cultists, sort of the hardcore people at the fringes, not from no. whoever is trying to grift and shout out their Twitter feed on this yeah. TV show. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think locking kind of nips some show like that in the bud because someone, I mean, that's already happened where people proposed ideas just in a post and if it gets lots of coins, someone might just go and build it. I mean, that's happened with bugs, for example, like fixes. People say, hey, this is a problem. This needs to be fixed. Someone locks 50 coins against this fixed in like two hours. Without without any communication from someone like Jack, like any direct communication to the dev. Like I've gone to sleep, posted about a problem, woken up, it's fixed. I didn't talk to him, right? I mean, I'm going back to when I worked the real job, no, man, I got to go into some boomer system, log a ticket, choose a severity, assign it to somebody. They might or may not see it because they're like out to lunch or on customer service calls or out smoking, you know what I mean? Um, but no, I mean, this incentive structure, you know, because, and then it makes sense. Like these are the people, you want people voting with their coins because they're the ones that have an interest to actually see it and they're going to use it because they act, you know, they actually have the coins. I mean, those people up on the show, are they even going to spend their Bitcoin on that app? I mean, I'm, you know, even on Shark Tank, right? Do those guys, you know, they do all the cameras and the media stuff, but are they actually using or consuming any of those products? We don't know. Uh, probably right? probably not. I mean, the the way, the big catch with Shark Tank, what they never say is that to get on the show, you have to already sign away, like, I think it's 7% or 12%, something like that, of your equity to get on the show, which makes sense because 
Otherwise, people would just go on the show just for the publicity hit and then say no to every deal and walk away. So the show needs to protect itself against that. But at the same time, that also tilts the incentives the other way, which is that the people getting on the show, they kind of need to make a deal. Like they've already got the pressure on because their little uh, homemade Italian pasta that they uh, cooked up, you know, and some of them, they're pretty legit entrepreneurs, I'm sure. Like they've worked for five years and they've made like, a, like we talked before about bootstrapping, they've bootstrapped something up to not, they're going to take over the fucking world, but they've, you know, maybe make enough for them and their family. And if it was going to stay at that size, that would be fine. But in going on this show, they're hoping to sort of hit it big rather than being patient and doing it the long way to make sort of, you know, over generations, like those guys who are, you know, in a family restaurant that's huge that it's been for 400 years or whatever, right? It's kind of the 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 quick the quick fix yet again, right? It's the same. Yeah. Symptom. I mean, it all comes back to the same thing. I mean, we can even just look at some of the stuff that's happened on BTC, like the irony, right? Um, 40, first token, no VC, completely community grassroots. Um, a lot of people said it was dumb at the beginning, including, I mean, I didn't say it was dumb, but at first, I was like, this token protocol is trash, but, you know, obviously I lost money based off that assessment like a lot of people did. Uh, Bitmap, right? Uh, not No VC, completely community grassroots by people, by definition, with SATs, right? To inscribe it, you needed Bitcoin, BTC, to actually do it. So these projects that have organically developed and taken off had no external capital are some of the big, I mean, Bitmap, I think, is one of the biggest, you know, that's honestly one of BTC's best chances to, you know, survive in all this, I think, is because, you know, it's 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 something so simple, yet so innovative that it has the potential to really do something. But again, that didn't require some people getting into some weird room with five people who you don't know are, are aligned with incentives. But where Bitmap, you know, okay, I'm in line with all these metaverse devs. Ordi, I'm aligned with all these exchanges and Unisat and the people that are building here. So, um, you know, you just, I mean, honestly, I wonder, is Lightning one, I mean, if it, in terms of rank in VC-funded crypto projects, it has to be top five, ten. Yeah. Complete disaster. Yeah. Complete disaster. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. But meanwhile, something yeah. like Ordi or Bitmap is far more successful already than Lightning would ever be in terms of adoption. Because it's got, yeah. what, hundreds of thousands of holders? Well, not that many. Probably like 50,000 holders, right? Did Lightning get 50,000 yeah. users? I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it too. Like you can't, you can't, I'm trying to just think of the one line summary because there's something here that we could meme into existence. It's like you can't buy innovation or you can't buy the grassroots or something like that would would summarize this idea that you're you're explaining that yeah just it, it's kind of like a self-defeating thing it's a vicious cycle taking the vc money is the poison pill it doesn't matter about how much money if it was a good or a bad idea anything like that the fact that you've taken the money has already killed the idea because there's no organic community that is going to get involved when they can see that somebody is already at the top profiting off them. So right. And it's not to yeah. say that it can't be successful. It's just that objectively we've noticed from when Bitcoin launched, I mean, it's just it doesn't really mesh well with that. I mean, even ETH, you know, I mean, yeah, they did an ICO, but you know, what attracted people was the smart contracting, the compute, you know, the the whole thing. So yeah. 
Yeah, okay. All right, I've got meme of the week here, uh, and we've got another little clip that I have to play on the show for posterity's sake because this is going to go down in history as like this might be the another one of those moments that historians look back and say, look, this is where it happened in terms of B2C being captured. It's from Michael Saylor uh, with some some big words. Jet, can we can we get this clip going? Basically, what's happened is they've completely sold out. Now, you know, you you knew that. I knew that. We knew that for a long time, right? But the funny thing is, a lot of the people involved they didn't they didn't know that. It's like they don't they they're just so short sighted. I I don't know how they function in their daily life. To be honest, they can't put together you know two and two and see next week, well, right? But number went up, right? So that just overrides all yeah. logic, apparently. Yeah, you're, you're, that's that's the, that's the only explanation. Uh, because you have here all these BC people suddenly like Michael Saylor says that we should all bow down to the banks and the government, which he's been saying for a long time. This is not new. It's not like he's changed his opinion. He has said that there's, we've got all these meme clips of him saying that six months, a year, two years ago. And it's only now that they're like, wait, he said it and he meant it. It's absolutely unreal that, you know, when somebody tells you who they are, you should believe them. <laughs> and It's unreal that they're now being caught off guard that he didn't suddenly become like an OG cypherpunk you know, against the banks and regulation, that's that's his grift. For the industry to move to the next level, we need to migrate uh, to adult supervision. We're going to need big banks to become the crypto custodians. We're going to need Wall Street to take a role. And we need to rationalize away from the 100,000 crypto tokens, you know, yo-yo coins that people are manipulating to Bitcoin. Bit Bitcoin is a is an asset without an issuer. It is the one universally recognized protocol that's a commodity in the space. So when banks on Wall Street and responsible custodians are managing Bitcoin and the industry takes its eyes away from all of the shiny little tokens that have distracted and, and demolished shareholder value, I think the industry moves to the next level and we 10x from here. So there you have it. This is just the end state of BTC thinking is that they now have Michael Saylor in there saying, guys, we need custodians, literally the exact antithesis of what Bitcoin was always about. So I have the on the slide here, I have this clip has been shared around a bunch, but I've got it quote tweeted by this guy, C designer, who must be some BTC guy. And he said, if this is what it takes to 10x to the next level, F that. Banks becoming the primary custodians of Bitcoin takes us back to all of the rehypothecation, derivatives, and over-financialized bullshit that has brought us to where we are today. And then that has also been quote tweeted by our good friend, John Carvalho, king of the cope, who says, this is what you get for supporting custodial projects. The same banking and problems we had before Bitcoin. Stop fucking tolerating this bullshit. So he's out there saying that the big blockers were evil, et cetera, et cetera, on the regular. Right. But now it's like the the custodians, the banks are, are inside the house and he's still trying to reconcile, you know, this weird worldview that the, the big blockers were wrong and they were evil and scammers, et cetera, with like, no, I'm doing the pure Bitcoin, but wait a second, I'm surrounded by all the people that don't believe in any of that, right? It's nonsense. Yeah, um, 
you know, when you have one megabyte blocks, you tend to go towards that, right? Because custodial services and because it's all about, you know, HODL, right? No use because you can't use it. Um, this this reminds me of something interesting that also uh, Jack Lou brought up uh, maybe earlier this year. He said someone like Sailor, you know, if we talk about things like flipping and forks and stuff like that, um, they're completely uh, inept, right? Because because he's put his coins into like a legacy financial scheme, he's not going to be able to, like, even if he wanted to act today when it's all going down, he can't. There's no way his shareholders or his overlords are going to actually let him. Just same thing with custodial. Uh, this is another thing I've been talking about. Um, if people don't actually control the sats when stuff goes down, like whether it's a fork, hyper-Bitcoinization, huge price pump of one of the forks or whatever, um, I think your risk on a centralized exchange, even something like Binance or Coinbase is 100. Because not only from a price movement perspective, but just from an economic perspective, right? If this, if let's just say, even if it's BCH, let's just say it's BCH, right? BCH goes to 50K in one day. It could happen, right? I mean, it went to 8,000 in one day. Um, I'll bet, I will bet money people that day got rugged on Coinbase, like straight rugged, right? Um, that could happen because the, the benefit of taking someone's sacks could be greater than the actual penalty the of the crime. Yeah, See yeah. what I mean? Like, that's how crazy it could get. So um, someone like Sailor, he might as well be a dead, like, dinosaur. Like, he's, that those coins are just going to be, they're not going to be able to be moved, right? And then you combine that with, like, if everyone else is doing it at the same time, you're going to get, what, 200 sats a bite to move your coins? So it's just, it's it's fucked. Like it's just the, the guy, the whales that go into these schemes that sailors talking about are going to be even more in a bad position than the folks that did actually custody. But it's not like those people are in a much better spot. They're still going to have to pay two hundred cents for bite to try and get out. Exactly. Yeah, as they as their <laughs> coins price is collapsing, and yeah, the free market moves quick. Like like you say, people don't like people who don't think much about markets like that literally zero coins need to change hands for the the price of any right. coin to rocket or go up all that needs is the people on the exchanges putting in bids if they collectively decide for whatever reason you know there's a news story or the yeah. world suddenly wakes up you know there's a viral clip of sailor saying haha we were the cia all along whatever it is right <laughs> they take over then that's it boom it can just happen like like that and you're gonna be screwed on the bdc chain one way or another right yeah but i mean uh, this 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 is more of a warning to people that aren't custodying their coins right um if you don't hold the keys if you don't actually have access um you know uh it it could get bad man because i mean even as something as simple as you getting paid in it if if you're invoicing if your fee invoice amount is fiat um you think you're going to get two coins and then when the actual they pay you like in 24 hours you get like 0.2 yeah 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 exactly and i think i mean obviously for for the for that kind of transition event the actual event itself will be much bigger than any one invoice i don't know where at the stage where well maybe to some degree like people can denominate things in bch i do among the bch yeah sort of community but the, the rest of the world isn't quite there but we are just in this point in history where we're just watching as 
scam after scam after scam after scam slowly teaches 8 billion people not your keys, not your coins, right? It's just the simplest thing. If the entire world overnight could understand the message, not your keys, not your coins, like that, that's it. That would be hyper-Bitcoinization. Right? That's really this what it is, is eight people, eight billion people understanding and practicing that thing because they've been rugged enough times to really get the message. Like you say, Sailor is irrelevant and in a certain way he is. But the problem is he, well, not the problem for you and me, but the problem for some people is that he still has a huge microphone and oh. a lot of people are listening to him, right? So I don't think sailors are relevant. I just disagree with the point about the custody. I, I think oh, actually right. the other stuff, I think a lot of the stuff he says is actually good. Um, I agree with him on a lot of things. Um, I, I, this, I've said this many times. I believe he thinks Bitcoin is like what Satoshi actually released in 2009. That's what that's that to me, that is his understanding. Like, I don't think yeah. he is aware that it can't do script. And I don't think he knows that, right? Um, because the way he talks about it is, is actually more aligned with our vision, I think. Yes. But obviously, he's in that world. You know, he's actually, you know, had some financial criminal type issues in the past, uh, allegedly, right, with MicroStrategy back in the 2000s. Um, you know, and he he's a little crazy. And of course, he's he's got more of a vision. I don't think he's irrelevant. I just think, yeah, he, like you said, he does have a big voice. I'm, I'm just hitting on the part about the custody. Like that's, he's gonna yeah. learn the, he's gonna, he's gonna fafo the hard way on that. <laughs> yes, well, it's yeah, fuck around and find out exactly. <laughs> and I think that's it. It's just this constant, uh, you know, 2023 to just summarize that whole thing. It's just been everything has just been W's for big blockers like for days, and I expect that to probably accelerate because at yeah. some point. These kind of guys like John Carvalho or whatever, you can be as deep in the cope as you like. Eventually, that's how cope works. You get to a tipping point where reality just stacks up the cost of you maintaining your ego belief that I was right. It gets so high that something breaks. And we're going to, I don't know who it's going to be first, who's going to jump the fence, who's going to come out firing, but somebody, you know, the, 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 what's it called? The like hysteria among the, the BTC crowd as such as it is of realizing like wait we've been captured and we were wrong it seems like maybe in 2024 we're going to see that like the change from nobody would really believe like i'm so glad we have all the episodes of the show and your channel and everything like that because if you rewind back to 31st of december 2022 the outlook is just right. completely it was different. horrible right yeah, yeah. no ordinals um yeah it, it was it looked really bleak right yeah so anyway, once again, it's always good to be on the on the right side of history. Okay, we've got community comment of the week. Then we'll get to message the community and then uh, that's a wrap. So just we won't talk about this too much, but I've got here community comment of the week. It comes from uh, Paul Stortz, who was on the show uh, a little while ago, and he uh, was arguing with somebody uh, and he quote tweeted, uh, B. Cashy, who has a clip of this lady we're not going to play it but you can check it up and she says lightning network is like the eighth wonder of the world and it's just like how out of touch deluded you can be and so then paul stortz used that clip to argue to somebody who was telling him that lightning was great and he said sir can you actually not see what is happening before your eyes and then this guy who was replying to him said no care to explain and then he quote tweeted moon settler who's this other btc guy from a thread talking to me and emergent reasons who said 
And then emergent uh Moon Settler said, I don't feel like making excuses for the inbred, weirdly co-opted Bitcoin culture I'm stuck with, but I do want to see this experiment of scaling with small blocks through. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. It makes sense to me, end quote. So it's got to the point where the BDC people are now wrecking each other with arguments and with clips and with, you know, cope destruction and so forth, spawned from the big blockers side of things. So we're we're actually now running the narrative. Like they're they're using they're they're behind the game. They're a step behind in the in the race, and it just goes to show. You know, we'll just see more and more of that. And, yeah. It'll be next year or whatever that they'll all start being like, "Hey, have you been watching the Bitcoin Cash podcast? Hey, look at this clip. Look at this thing from from our media channels." Right? The the narrative is flipped. Well, objectively, right? If we were to kind of take out some of this context and just look at pure prices, um, well, one we we can acknowledge also uh, without bias that if you are a BTCer and you're seeing this. Um, the incentive to actually convert is very high, right? Because you get more units on maybe a chain that does the same. I mean, there's only 21 million, you know, BTC, BCH, BSV, Zcash, whatever. Oh, no, never mind. They, their supply is all screwed up. But um, <laughs> so if you can get a thousand to one BSV or what is it? Uh, what did you say the ratio was? Like, now it's it's 150 to one. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, those ratios are much higher in that at the end of 2022, right? So based off that, it could just look like people are defecting. Now, we know there's other things, right, with the BlackRock filing, making folks aware of the risk of forks, um, some of the COPA, whatever nonsense, hot locker, uh, obviously a lot of the innovation that's gone on in BCH was, you know, the you guys are doing NFTs and cash tokens, right? So all those can be factors. But if you were just remove all that and just look at, okay, start of 2023 to now, the ratios have gone down. And then you have all this info. Then when you start to add the color, you think you paint a picture that makes a lot of sense that, yeah, it is. I think it's much more likely that the people just defect and flip and exchange. They don't even have the exchange of time. Just start exchanging some out. And then you get, you get, you're just going to get mass chaos because, um, there's only so much hash power out there. That that's the other part, and that's the I think, you know, they, it might not be in people's minds. It's always in my mind, but it may not be in the BTC's community minds. But that is something, um, you know, because I used to be more conspiratorial, thinking, okay, there's social engineers out there that are against big blocks. I'm more thinking that it's less about that and just more about the them acknowledging the, the 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 risk is that, I mean. These things cannot exist in a like long term, right? Like it can't, it has to, like uh, like Jet mentioned earlier, it has to come back because the hash power is X and the price movements do nothing to change that, right? So that means the ha- X has to be distributed proportionally over the forks, but it could be distributed over one fork. That could happen. So that the risk of two of the chains dying and one surviving is always exist as long as they're on shot to be the six and ASIC compatible, as long as that's the case. So I, you know, yeah, to, to now BTC has been King, but it looks like there's, a, there's, there's, it looks like there's trouble at the palace, right? <laughs> trouble at the palace. I like that. Okay. So we got our second last slide. As always, we give every guest a chance to just 
free talk to the Bitcoin cash community, whatever sort of point of view or advice or thought or story that they have to say, obviously a lot of, you know, by definition, the Bitcoin cash community, not all of them clearly, but, uh, you know, some of them are listening to this podcast. So what advice or what message would you give to the Bitcoin cash community? Yeah, I would say just just go to Hallwalker and check it out, man. Just use the stuff because um, you can post anonymously without needing BSV. So um, you can just go on there. You don't have to sign up. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to get any. You don't have to buy any BSV. You don't have to do anything like that. You just go post and you know just check it out. Just use it. And then you can use uh, the search engines called hodlnet.sh where they're not doing it yet, but they're going to – Content search is going to be ranked by SACs, which I think is awesome, just awesome. Um, and there's more stuff coming out. So I would just say use it. Um, you know, I'm not shilling it, like shilling BSV to go pump it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying just go use it because you can use it for free. Fees are so cheap, as you BCH community is very well aware. Um, but, you know, we can do stuff like that, like allow folks to post for free. So um, I would just say that. Like, And then... You know, take that however you want. Maybe you want to use it, engage more. Maybe you want to port it over. But I think this locking concept uh, is here to stay just because I think it it changes kind of the flow and the consumption of information going forward, especially within the Bitcoin community. I agree. Spot on. And this is not something to be sleeping on. You know, I've been paying attention to this as you've been covering it. Now, I'm glad we've had you on here to talk it all through because I, this is not something that you want to overlook. This is this is serious business and everybody should be looking into it. And hopefully, yeah, we've got some entrepreneurs out there that are keen for a BCH version. That would that would be sick. But, uh, you know, one way or another, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Okay, that'll do it pretty much for the show then. We've got to give our supporter appreciation and shout outs. So thank you to the donators. Thank you to our patrons, Ricky and HP. Thank you to our sponsor, General Protocols. And I do have a third Flipstarter now live. Check out flipstarter.bitcoincashpodcast.com. I wrote a bunch of stuff about what we're trying to do there, what the game plan is, what I'm feeling at the moment. We've delivered on our last two Flipstarters. Everybody seemed to be loving it and told us that we needed to up the ask. So I have with some more ambitious goals in there. If you're listening to the show and enjoying it, now's a great time. Go to flipstarter.bitcoincashpodcast.com and check it out. And finally, we have our shout outs. So, Joshua, what do you want to shout out or give a special recommendation to besides Hot Okay, You already did that. And where can people find more of you? Yeah. So, I'm on YouTube, uh, just my name, Joshua Hensley. I have a few apps on um, BSV. One is retrofeed.me, which is actually a, another skin for a hot locker. It's like an old school game and stuff. I've pivoted that site many times. Right now it's read only for the locking stuff, but it's just another interface. Um, something I'm about to add is a site I have called morning.run. Um, recently they've added locking to listing, like NFT listing orders on the blockchain. I'm gonna show like the top four or five on my homepage there because it's all on chain and just allow people to buy direct. So kind of like a true, like it's a newspaper style, like classified. I've tried that in the past. It doesn't really take off, but I think I finally found the protocol that makes that sense. So that where that makes sense. So I'll probably, most of it's built. Um, I just need to release it. So probably either tomorrow or Monday, I'll have that out. So check that out. Yeah. One final thing I've got to ask you actually, there was a, 
Uh, at one point, I bought all the spots on Morning Run, and I put up uh, a tweet there to try and get your attention. You know, I just I thought that was funny, and I thought you'd also appreciate that. You know, uh, can can you tell me about that? Did you to make you laugh at least when you saw that? I thought it was great, man. I mean, I just because that concept when I first released it, it got a lot of usage, but. I could tell something was wrong with it because it was like, you know, like a lot of things in crypto, like it spikes and then it just, you know, and that's what happened with that. But no, I thought it was great because, you know, I know people still check it because I show the prices. Like I show all the Bitcoin forks and then like different BSV tokens. So um, I know I check it because it's faster than something like CoinMarketCap because it's so lean, right? I'm not showing 10,000 shitcoin. Um, so in that regards, I thought it was great that someone wanted to, someone outside of the community wanted to come in and you know share their stuff because that's what it was built for yeah and we'll see again like like you're saying it's all these same ideas just iterative maybe just didn't quite have the the secret sauce you know with hodlocker but maybe you know those same ideas are, are generating up there so it's it's great you know it's it's evolution right things are always just organic uh in the way they progress jet do you have any shout outs Yes, this one's probably a weird one for me. Uh, my shout out goes to Moon Settler. I don't know how he ended up <laughs> finding the show, but within like hours or something of the last episode, he was commenting on it. And there have been like him as a character or he as a character has been kind of a reoccurring, a reoccurring source of content for us. Uh, so I appreciate it. I think he's a pretty reasonable dude even though we disagree with a few things but i think he uh strangely enough helps bitcoin cash so shout out to him yeah so i guess maybe in that theme in that vibe then my shout out is gonna yeah go to all bitcoiners from any fork because uh obviously we all have our different takes on it and luckily the nature of open source software is even if it was painful everyone could have their own version that they liked and we may or may not see more more versions of that in the future uh the one thing that unites all bitcoin forks which is quite interesting is actually bitcoin maximalism so bitcoiners all disagree what is bitcoin but they all agree that it's the best one and not, no other one is needed uh which will see the truth of that however that plays out uh in the long run certainly as things get towards global reserve currency or global adoption, you would expect that the network effect at one point is going to become so dominating that it's just going to take over. BTC, good luck to them because they already have the biggest network effect and it's not even close, nor is it growing. Their lead is not growing, it's shrinking. So they're kind of screwed in that regard. But in any case, uh, Moon Settler or BSV people or whoever, it's, it's all Bitcoiners and we've all got to get out of fiat currency at the end of the day. So... I think it's really important that the communities do discuss with each other, take a look at the the pros and cons, because everything has its own merits. And ultimately, we can all agree to compete in the free market. So I'm very glad of that. All right, that'll do it for the show. Thank you all for listening. Check out episode 85 if you're new and you haven't understand what any of this is about and you're not way down the, the rabbit hole, bitcoincashpodcast.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time. So I started realizing that if you can just find strength just a little bit longer, you will have a crew of people following you along the way. And that is another thing that no one can ever teach you. Because you, you're going to have to learn that on your own. You're going to have to figure out how to pull that energy out of your mind on your own. It's not, there's, 
There's no book you can read. Now, all of a sudden, I have it. I've got the technique now. I know how to do it. Yeah. No, it's it's a, a grind that you have to start and finish on your own.